0: but today is a special day. I want you to pay careful attention to the size uh, and shade of these different candles. And then I want you to forget about that because it's just these were the ones that I found. I will attempt to not burn the church down. That is my personal commitment to all of us, no burning. bernie um, I hesitate to say that I'm going to preach expository on Galatians. Uh, it sounds odd to say. Uh, and having said what they kids this morning, and listen to the Bible Project and watch the Bible Project Galatians Overview, I feel like if you really want to hear good expository teaching, then just Google the Bible Project, it was wonderful. Um, but as I, as I looked at Galatians, and I felt like the Lord had impressed upon me this idea that I should try to just preach from Scripture. Normally, I, I do topical things. Um, so I'm attempting to be uh, obedient to the best of my ability to something new. Um, I realized you could break Galatians down a couple of ways. Uh, it seemed obvious to me that you could break it down in Galatians 1 and 2, 3 and 4, and 5 and 6 quite practically. In fact, I'm sure that has something to do with the way a, a certain monk put the numbers in uh, hundreds of years ago. Um, so I, I thought unless I, I never get asked to preach again because of this. We'll, we'll do this over the course of a few uh, sessions. And I thought I'd just talk about Galatians 1 and 2. Um, as I read through it and began preparing, I realized that, well, when we when we study the Bible, we have to talk about the content, what's going on there. I felt that what well, was really important to bring up for us was really the method that Paul used, the way he communicated his things, and that we can begin applying some of that to our lives and how we approach conflict. Um, so that's really the overview of what I'd like us to, to grab hold of today when we look at Galatians uh, chapters 1 and chapters 2. Now I'm going to light these candles. Um, It's just to help us remember, if you look at... um, I've done it wrong. I'm missing a candle. (laughs) There's another candle around that would be great. That's okay, we don't need another candle. I'll do the fat one for the beginning, because the beginning has two parts. There's Paul's greeting, which is the beginning of all his letters. Uh, And Paul's greeting is then followed by uh, the initial Uh, statement that he's making to the Galatian church Uh, uh, I'll read a little bit from the the greeting to get us started and I'll open up and read out his initial statement. It'll just give us a bit of context and then uh, for what he does next. He says grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil. Uh, from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever, Amen. And then he spends the next uh, seven, six, seven, six through ten uh, verses talking about how shocked he is that this church that he planted so many years earlier, uh, a period of time earlier, had basically turned away from the message that he brought them and started following someone else's message about Jesus. some A different teaching that was very much different from what Paul had presented to them. And he's really shocked. He's really uh, upset. This is Australia, so I'm going to just say he's robable. Thank you. That. It's not something, that, I don't know what robable is really, but if you're so upset that someone should tie you up with a rope to keep you from harming others, I guess that makes you robable. Uh, I have a friend at work who's uses that expression a lot. I wish he weren't here. And he would uh, heckle me. Um, he's upset. And all of Galatians is about Paul addressing this church. These people he brought to faith uh, with the gospel that he'd heard and who'd gone astray. And he's upset about the teaching that's led them astray. He's upset at the Galatians uh, because he thought, how can you just let this go so easily? And he's upset at the people who are, are bringing this false teaching. Um, upset at their motives. Um, just really, really angry. Really vulnerable. So that's the, the, the beginning. And just a standard greeting. And then he straight away says, I'm really bothered by this thing that you've done. I, I just, beside myself, I'm so upset. I'm glad I this morning. I almost would put my beard on fire. In. See this? Did anybody see this spark? Because yeah. that was that I thought I, my light flashed before my eyes. My <laughs> head shaved, and there's nothing to lose. Literally. About oh, economy. For that one. So the next thing that happens in the book of Galatians is Paul tells three stories. And that's what we're going to talk about today, is storytelling. Uh, and I, I think you might discover that storytelling is really rather wonderful, um, for a couple of reasons. So let me get into it. Did you know that the Galatians were not Jewish Christians? Mike is going to a Dutch Reform school. He's getting good Bible teaching. Bless them. They're solid. The, the, and this is important. The Galatians didn't have a Jewish bone in their body. They were a completely Gentile church. Now, if you think about it, Galatia. We don't have Galatia. There's no country called Galatia. If you think about it, it's funny. Have we heard of the Gauls? That's up towards France. You know, the the Gallic people. And that's Galatia. That's that sort of neck of the woods. So you have people who are not even remotely Jewish. And this is important, because the whole crux of the matter is that the Jewish background Christians, based out of Jerusalem, uh, some of them had said, oh, all the new Gentile Christians, they need to follow Jewish law. And it's, it's all through. It's all through the epistles. It's all through Acts. This big early conflict. What are we going to do with these non-Jewish Christians? Shouldn't they just follow our, you know, the way we do things? We believe in Jesus, but we're still following the law for Jewish people. So shouldn't they also follow that law? Shouldn't the boys get the snip, snip, snip? Shouldn't they stop eating pork? You know, it's, these, these were things that were important to the Jewish Christians. We have to do it. Shouldn't they have to do it too? Um, And funnily enough, I I think we'll we'll read about this as we get into uh, the story. And we'll also read about it if we look at Acts. Uh, Even Paul was saying, and even the the other apostles affirmed, that maybe uh, even as Jewish Christians, they didn't have to keep doing uh, a lot of these legalistic things because they didn't matter so much anymore. Because they had found their freedom in Jesus. And yet, that's, that's, that's getting ahead of myself. See, I'm going to give you an overview of the first story. Paul shares his testimony. Now, even in his initial argument, he talks about how I, I, I learned this, I, I'm a servant of Christ. I got my message from Christ, I was taught by Christ. And he shares this testimony about how he was a devout Jew. And he would have been really uh, excited uh, as a devout Jew persecuting Christians to see these zealous Jewish Christians trying to get people to follow the law. It's Probably something he almost would have applauded. You know, I don't like the Christians, but at least these guys are, are getting these people to be Torah observant. Something's got to be said for that. Uh, there they might have been this sort of grudging admiration for the Jewish Christians. Um, You know, that's speculation, of course. But uh, I think in his testimony here, Paul really stresses. He says, yeah, I was uh, was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. And then he says, but Jesus found me. Jesus taught me the truth. God was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So here's somebody who was he was very observant and remember the people who are criticizing paul who are trying to lead the galatians astray were torah observant jews and paul says i had that background i was there i get it jesus turned me around and that's how i became a christian and he sent me to the gentiles this is my calling this is what i'm supposed to be doing now the next part uh, of his testimony uh, of the storytelling is he tells a story uh, of going to Jerusalem. And he, I believe he talks about going a couple times. Uh, the first time he says he went to Jerusalem, he says, I, didn't, I hadn't gone there before. I hadn't, uh, I hadn't met any of these guys. The whole thing I taught for years and years and years was basically the things that Jesus revealed to me about who he was, not based on being discipled under the Jewish apostles and then being sent out. And this is important because Paul is stressing that his authority comes from God. And then, and then he says, listen, when I went to Jerusalem, I shared with them what I had been teaching. And at this point, he's talking about having been uh, an apostle, sharing the gospel, finding churches for more than a decade, I think it's something like 14 years. And and he shares with uh, with the apostles, the, uh, the leaders of the church in Jerusalem, the things that God had shown him the things that he'd been teaching others to do. And, he, and Paul says, you know, listen, they were, um, what was the term it used, right? It's right. He says they were, when they saw that, on the contrary, when I, they saw that I'd been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised. For he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised work also through me for mine, to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas, which is Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So here he was after years of sharing the gospel, that basically he got directly from Jesus. And he finally sat down with the guys in Jerusalem, and they compared notes, and they said, you know what, you're great. We love what you're doing. Keep doing it. He's, you know, he's just communicating that he, the authority that he felt that came from the Lord, he got, you know, the kudos from the guys in Jerusalem saying, yeah, keep at it, keep at it. So that's the second story. is the story of him going to Jerusalem and uh, just getting affirmed in his apostolic. apostleship. In his ministry, by others uh, who are also leaders, and he stresses that again, it's not like he needed their approval, Uh, and just the way he talks about it, he's trying to communicate. I don't need their approval because God called me, and that's what's important. And yet, at the same time, guess what? I I did get their approval in doing what I'm doing and preaching what I'm preaching. And then he tells one more story, and this is a this is an awkward and tricky story because it's a bit critical towards Peter. Uh, he tells a story of Peter showing up in Antioch, um, and then Paul really got in Peter's face about this. He said, "Listen, when you showed up initially, you just with the Gentile believers, you just ate with us, you spent time with us. You're 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 open to that. You're fine. But when these circumcision party guys showed up, all of a sudden you pulled back, and the people with you pulled back, and you wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. You're being all Torah observant all of a sudden. You're." Just Paul challenged Peter and said, listen, you're being two-faced. Which way is it? Paul was really upset because Peter pulled back and started doing this. Other guys pulled back. Even Barnabas, Paul's longtime companion, was influenced to try to distance himself from the Gentiles and be Jewish around the Jewish Christians. And Paul, whose ministry was to the Gentiles to bring the gospel to them, or who bridging that gap was so important was absolutely livid, called a lot of them a bunch of immigrants uh, to their face and 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 challenged them. He said, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, i.e., you know, you don't follow all the laws anymore, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Why? He really challenged this. He said, "Why well, you, you want all these things from them all of a sudden. You hold back and say, oh, they're unclean unless they do these things. That's it is. Paul was upset because his message was to bring salvation to the Gentiles. I did that for <laughs> Or maybe someone else did that for him. So these are the three stories that, that Paul shares at the beginning of Galatians. And you'll find them in chapter 1 and 2. The first story uh, starts at verse 11, chapter 1. And then the second story, yeah, sort of at uh, 18, 18. Uh, Two trips to Jerusalem, sort of three years in, and then uh, 14 years after that. And then the last story in chapter 2, verse 11. Um, so those are the three stories he tells. And then he starts getting into something a little more complex, the beginning of his argument uh, about what had been preached. Uh, any, any of us who've read Paul's epistles know that he gets a little bit, very didactic, uh, answer, very dense in his communications. He says things like, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. And it's, it's, it's all gets into his teaching style. And, and he has, a, it's kind of dense, and I'm not going to go into it a lot, because in chapter three and chapter four, he expands all of this. So, another time I want to emphasize the content of what he's saying and say, hey, is that true and how does that apply for us? Only he's just done this thing where he makes his, he greets everybody and he says, you know, here's my initial issue. I'm really upset at what you've done. And he doesn't go on to describe it there. He then tells three stories like personal stories, testimonies, and then he gets it to, The beginning of his arguments for what's wrong with the situation. So what I'd like to talk about today is um, the role of storytelling. uh, And particularly the role of storytelling in conflict. Now, as I considered this last night, and I was trying to, when I do something like this, I'm trying to break down the text into meaningful chunks so that we could remember it better and apply it better. And I, I looked at it, that the thing that stuck out to me is in this first section, he tells three stories. And I said, well, what, what do these stories do? Well, what, do, we, what, do we, uh, what do we get out of these three stories? And what, what's the function of the stories in, in all trying to address this letter to the Galatians? And, and I came up with two things that stuck out to me. There's, there's these two functions, and I'm not saying this is exclusive, but I think it will help us in how we deal with conflicts with the group, or even with our spouse, or with our children, or anywhere, if we say, hey, maybe storytelling is important. Maybe sharing a story is important in overcoming difficulties. The first thing he does is he shares his personal testimony. Now, I don't know, in evangelism, they always teach it, you sharing your personal testimony, nobody could argue with that. It's like this magic bullet. If You share your testimony the people. They can't say that, that didn't happen. So they'll just have to believe. And in evangelism, I've discovered that, no, that's not entirely true. I've shared my personal testimony, people say, I think that's garbage, I still don't believe. It's not a magic bullet, but sharing your personal testimony, does something more important. The magic bullet thing is, it's not true. But what it does is this. When you share your personal testimony, you expose yourself to being understood. And when you're trying to bridge a gap to someone who believes differently than you, or understands differently than you, Kind the first opening step you can do is open up and say, let me tell you a story about me, so you understand where I'm coming from. That's so the first thing Paul does. Let me tell you a story about me, so you understand where I'm coming from. And then he shares his testimony of how he met Jesus, what he was before. And that, it's, it's not about magic bullet that the person has to believe when you share your testimony. It is a magic door. That when you share your testimony people are able to understand you. and if you, if you especially when there's a conflict when there's a disagreement if you don't say hey please understand me first before we talk about this how often have you butted heads for ages just over the facts of the argument over the details we butt heads we don't get understanding of each other so he starts i think that's important storytelling in conflict First, to let yourself be understood. The power of a testimony. so that Because that can help. Oh, I see it from your perspective. Oh, I see why you believe that. I see why you look at it this way. Now, the second thing that happens uh, in, the, in the other two stories, I think we, we still get to understand Paul a little bit better. We understand that he's not afraid to start a fight. But we all already know that about Paul. He's not afraid to get in someone's face. We read plenty about that in the epistles. But the second thing that happens is he uses these stories about other situations, similar situations, as a reflection. So the first role of storytelling is uh, testimony to be understood. I think the second role of storytelling, uh, especially in conflict resolution, that we see in the beginning of Galatians is storytelling for reflection onto the topic. hand. He tells two stories, one about his approval by the other apostles in Jerusalem, and the second, or well, two stories like that, really, and then the second thing is he talks about this conflict, uh, the hypocrisy of the Jewish Christians, who are sometimes okay with being with the Gentiles and eating with the Gentiles, and sometimes when others were around saying, oh no, we don't, we're we separate, we're Jewish, Now, and that hypocrisy was challenged, but what it does Is because the topic of Galatians is that Jewish Christians were telling the Gentile believers in Galatia, Galatia. Galatia? Somebody help me up. Galatia. There you go. Paul. Someone was telling these people that they had to follow the Jewish law. And so Paul presents these stories beforehand, before he gets into the main part of his argument, to say, if I tell you these stories that are about a similar topic, does that reflect a light upon my argument that he's later going to bring, that he even begins to bring at the end of chapter 2? He wants you to have a context from a story, because stories are accessible. When you you read about how he went up, "Ah," his first story is, I didn't really meet anybody. I kind of met James, you know, Jesus' brother. Um, but, you know, they still didn't know who I was. They only heard, the only thing that people knew about me is he used to persecute us, and he's now preaching the faith that uh, he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. So these two stories where he talks about his initial exposure to so he's saying, well, people approved of it. They got it. They understood what I was doing, and they approved. They gave me the right hand of fellowship. So these stories are accessible because he says this is just what happened i met this guy i met these people they said yeah it's great keep going and as a, compared to um but if in our endeavor to be justified in christ we too were found to be sinners is christ then a servant of sin certainly not for i rebuild what i if i rebuild what i tore down i prove myself to be a transgressor that's kind of dense in terms of communicating and understanding it's a it's the important facts of the message. He's challenging the theology uh, and, and, and the attack the, the on his theology that he presented. But if, you know what? It wouldn't be too dense if you didn't have an everyday story to make sense out of it. Oh, so in the church it was exciting when people were getting saved who were Gentiles and everybody in Jerusalem was excited because people were getting saved and they glorified God. And then this whole idea that, oh, when we talked about it, Everybody realized that it's good that they're getting saved. Clearly, God is at work. So let's not demand a lot of things. Here it says, only remember the poor. Paul says, the very thing that I was eager to do. We read in the book of Acts when they had a big hash out of this issue. They said, well, let's uh, let's just not put a bunch of requirements on them from Jewish law, but let's say, let's avoid sexual immorality because that's kind of bad. Uh, and then, uh, let's not eat uh, blood let's not eat the blood, you know, just of, of, of animals, sort of, you know, because that's their life, just sort of basic things. I think it goes without saying, don't murder, don't steal, Those are pretty standard things, but they weren't going to keep on specific requirements like, I'm sorry, that's a cotton polyester blend you're wearing, Charlton, that's not appropriate. <laughs> Did you know that was in Jewish law? That you weren't, the whole idea of being holy, not mixing, was Ingrained in everything they did. And there was a law that said that they weren't allowed to wear clothing that was made of two different materials. Because it was just a reminder to them that they were supposed to be set apart and not mixed. And so there are a bunch of little laws that were just to remind them not to mix things together. So, you know, and Paul says, you know, if you're trying to follow the law, there's kind of a lot of things to follow. And it would have been ridiculous. I mean, If Paul's opponents had won out, that's it. Polyester blends would not be a thing. You'd be either all polyester or all cotton. But you can't mix because we're set apart for God. Can you imagine in the Nazarene church where we emphasize holiness? Where we emphasize sanctification being set apart for God? How a teaching like that, which superficially sounds very religious, wow, that's going to be a great reminder for us. Wouldn't that be, I don't know if you're wearing a cotton it's a nice, it's a nice blazer, <laughs> I'm not going to check the tag on it, <laughs> you're unfortunate enough to be sitting close to the front one, like no one next to you, hiding you. I'm like you, you know what I mean, some of these things that, that, that seem like this would make sense, we should do this, this will help people remember to be holy, we'll just give them this little rule as a reminder, and that kind of thing happens, it happens in our churches. Um, let me see. Uh, not just Nazarene, but but a great old saying saying uh, for for a young Christian woman. I've heard this laughingly from people. I don't smoke. Uh, no. Uh, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't go with guys who do. <laughs> you know this, but you know these are funny little things that are really about. Hey, I want. I want someone of character in my life. I don't want to hang out with people of poor character. And then, you you know, so you make up these sayings. Did you know that Nazarenes aren't really supposed to dance? <laughs> no dancey, dancey, because as we know, dancy dancey happens at dance halls, which are pits of immorality. No swing, no dive. That was big. Does anybody remember that, Eric, where we're Nazarenes, we don't dance? How about we're Nazarenes, we do not watch movies because the actors have horrific lifestyles. And we cannot endorse the lifestyles of these people by watching the movies that they create. But these things sound really rational, don't they? And, and if, you, if you say that, we don't want to endorse the lifestyles, then you say, yes, we don't want to endorse lifestyles. Let's make a couple rules. And then all of a sudden you're like rule-driven. And, and guess what? I'll tell you a secret. Every large organization that's trying to find itself is going to go through a season of saying, Look, we need rules for this, we need rules for everything, before eventually saying, hey, hang on a minute, we've paralyzed ourselves. And I, I want to say straight up front, it's not a bad thing when a church passes through that season. Sometimes that season is long. It's kind of part of growing up. Uh, and one of the wonderful things about having the epistles included in the Bible is that you can pass through seasons faster when you watch someone else going through that season. And as we read through uh, the book and the letter to the Galatians, we see what happened there. We see the argument against it. And we can reflect and say, hey, well, I don't, I don't want that to be the way we go now," And maybe we can move a little faster through some of the things and say, let's not heap unnecessary burdens. But I'm getting ahead of myself because I really only want to to talk about storytelling today. So, we'll get back to that, and I won't go very long. When we face conflicts in our lives, uh, organizational conflicts, as I've just alluded to, as we grow as a, as a small church, or as a denomination, or in whatever organizational body you might find yourself part of, w- with me and Wyland, is some things are going to happen where you just might say, hey, wait a minute, that's not right, or it might just be in your family. What if in addressing the conflict and saying, hey, I'm not happy with something here, your next thing wasn't would it be the list of things you don't like, but what if the next thing was like all dozen relations, say, so let me tell you where I'm coming from, let me tell you a little story about it, and then let me tell you a little story that reminds me of this situation, and, there's a, and let me tell you one more little story that reminds me of this situation, and now you see the light I'm looking at it from, you see where I'm coming from. Now let's talk about these things that are, are bottom me. their head. that's all right. Of course, that's the way I would do it. Paul would be a little more brusque, I think. But he does start off that way. It says, here's where I'm coming from. Here's these stories. Understand me, and reflect on the topic at hand. So I... And that's why I put the bigger candles in the middle. Because I think in this first section of Galatians, you've got the introduction to the standard stuff. And then something important he says... I'm really upset, and and that's key, When something's not right. I'm really upset. Before you get into the details, you should just let people know, you know, on a scale of zero to 10 with 10 being a volcano and zero being an ice cube, where are you at? Because that will help the other person respond to the conversation. And then just tell some stories. Say, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm coming from. This is how I see the problem because of what's happened. Just like Paul did talking about his experience with the Apostles, talking about his experience with Jesus, and then, then get into the beginning of talking about the thing that's that's going wrong or that seems to be going wrong. And I think some of those things, like Paul's messages, can be really complicated, but with a little help from storytelling, we could simplify it and we can make it accessible for everybody who needs to draw a conclusion. So that's all I have to share today, just the beginning.